Hi there, and welcome to the Positive Talk Podcast. Your hosts, Julie and Chuck, are pretty excited about Season 4 and encourage you to settle in, take a deep breath, and enjoy this week's episode while they merge faith and psychology with a twist of encouragement. So, welcome again to the Positive Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Julie Homrich and Chuck Allen. Hi, everybody, and thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Positive Talk Podcast, where we really trust that you can find an encouraging and positive word. So thanks so much for joining us. As always, I'm joined by my good friend and psychotherapist, Julie Homrich. And today, Julie, we're going to be pulling together all of the constructs that we've discussed in recent weeks, Mm -hmm. where we've talked about the science and scripture of salvation and sanctification. That was that for alliteration. That is a mouth. Full, lots of S's. Lots Say of S's. It five times fast. You know what? I've I've had a lot of people connect with me about this concept about the science of sanctification, mm-hmm. because you just don't throw those words together. Yeah, no. It's usually you keep that as an either or, but it is true that yeah. we can absolutely understand what's going on in our bodies, in our brains, yep. um, as we're being sanctified in our spirits. Yeah. So sanctification again, if you haven't listened to the first few episodes of season four, is all about this concept of how does spiritual change mm-hmm. happen tangibly, physically in our body. Right. Because these are the vehicles that God has given us to experience him. So therefore, when we uh, have the sanctification process, there is something happening in our bodies that creates change. Yeah. And last week we talked about mirror neurons Mm -hmm. and how our senses create this imagery Mm -hmm. and then we replicate for good or bad inside of how we think which inevitably changes how we act and react, Mm -hmm. right? So I have a question that comes out of that when it comes to this concept of science, scripture, salvation, sanctification, then uh, there has to be some tangible things that we can do that can effectuate this change Mm -hmm. and allow it to be directed more in the sense of positivity, helpful, um, beneficial, spiritual, and Christ-like. Right, right. You know, how do we apply all of these yeah. constructs, essentially? That's what we're going to talk about this week. We're moving from knowledge to application. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to discuss five specific actionable items that everyone can do yeah. in this process that are both scripturally based mm-hmm. and are shown by science to bring about positive change. Yeah, and so one of them I think is is everybody that I've ever chatted with when I talk about prayer, mm-hmm. I, I hear this over and over again where people say, you know, prayer is kind of the weakest part of my spiritual life. Yeah, yeah. I find people that say, you know, I can share my faith. I can read scripture. I go to church. I, you know, I worship, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to prayer, sometimes we, we have a hard time connecting yeah, it's kind of hard to conceptualize what that's doing. Yeah. I think if we're action-oriented, sometimes we can view prayer as something that's that's not bringing about a lot of fruit or results yeah. if yeah. we are just focused on that. Um, but what we found is when we merge science and scripture mm-hmm. is that prayer is actually a very, very transformative. Um, when researchers looked at the brains of people who were praying, they found that 12 minutes of prayer focused on a loving God actually strengthens our 
our ability to utilize Mm -hmm. self-control. We've kind of touched on this. It reduces our fear-based knee-jerk reactions. And in some types of prayer, the areas of the brain that are associated with self-reflection and self-soothing are activated in these brain scans, which means they're being used, right? Wow. And this allows us, I think, when, when we really focus on prayer, to get clear about our values, to get yeah. clear about um, our relationship with God and how that impacts our lives, and to feel calm and centered enough to believe that change is possible. So to me, this uh, gives people that might be thinking, you know, I just... I struggle to stay focused in prayer or I struggle with how to pray or, mm-hmm. or try to figure out, okay, but how do I talk to a God I cannot see? Yeah. That kind of thing. And you know, one of the, one of the first things that I try to encourage people with when it comes to prayer is this thought of, well, don't make it harder than it is. Right. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. Right. Yeah. And it's a conversation that sometimes you literally just have to ask God what to pray about. Mm-hmm. Just start. You could start anywhere. Yeah. When I've I'm, had seasons in my life, Julie, where I've had to say, God, would you give me a desire to pray? Oh, absolutely. I have one child who still to this day, the majority of time that we pray, he says, dear God, he whispers his little prayer. And then we're all sitting there just waiting. And then after about, I don't know, 30 or 40 seconds, he says, amen. Yeah. And that is the way that he connects with God. And that is more than enough for what he needs right now. I love that phrase. That is more than enough. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things that um, I love about the relationship that God has with us is that he, he doesn't ask more from us than what he has made us capable of giving. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And so when I, you know, when we get back to prayer and you think, you know, you use that, you know, that that term 12 minutes of prayer focused on a loving God, Mm -hmm. that all starts with this view of how I see God. Absolutely. Yeah. If I see a God who loves me, Mm -hmm. then I can't wait to spend time with someone that loves me. Right. If you feel like he's perpetually disappointed or disillusioned with you, that's not going to lead us to want to be spending time with him. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when I when I see God, not through the not through the lens of a God that's waiting for me to walk into his room and, you know, punish me. Yeah, sometimes we view our heavenly father as unfortunately we've viewed our earthly father if it, if it hasn't been a good experience, it can be hard. Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of grew up that way a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I I was always the speeder and God was in a patrol car behind a sign that I couldn't see and waiting mm-hmm. to bust me. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me to kind of midway through my adult life to think, wait a minute, though, but he's riding with me mm. and he's trying to say, you might want to slow I down. Or, you slow know. down. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the cool thing is that prayer actually helps us with some of those capacities in learning how to have self-control. Yeah. A, a yeah. recent study conducted by um, New York University at their Langone Medical Center, they They actually took members of Alcoholics Anonymous and they placed them in an MRI scanner to see what was happening in their brain when they um, were praying. But first, and this sounds kind of cruel when you think about it, but they showed them drinking related images to kind of stimulate their cravings, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Because they wanted to see if prayer actually helped them reduce their cravings. And when the participants engaged in prayer as their brains were getting scanned, their cravings were reduced. So in those machines, they noticed that this prefrontal cortex, it was Mm -hmm. changing as the participants were praying, and that's that area of the brain that kind of helps us make logical sense of our emotions yeah, yeah. and our cravings. I, that to me, so I get the imagery of uh, someone involved in AA, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and seeing this imagery of what what does and what does an alcoholic look like, uh-huh. right? Like what does al- what is alcohol doing to me? Yeah, and then I. I kind of replace that imagery, though, with this positive sense of a God that wants to love me through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. So I was with a, uh, I was I was in a counseling appointment a couple of weeks ago, Julie, and I had a fellow who's really struggling with pornography. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him a, a question that honestly I asked because I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of out of my league, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and, <laughs> yeah, really. you know. And so I said, well, let me ask you a question. When is the last time? that you consistently for more than seven days in a row just read like five minutes of your Bible each morning. When's the mm-hmm. last time you did that? Mm-hmm. And you could tell, he, he, you know, he's kind of sheepish and like, oh, crap mm-hmm. kind of moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said, never. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, this is, I'm not trying to say that this is your problem by any stretch. Oh, right, you know, right. I said, but would you do me a favor and would you be willing to say between now and when we see each other in two weeks, mm-hmm. would you commit to like five minutes max, no more, yeah. just five minutes each day? Would you just read like the appropriate day of Proverbs, like mm-hmm. first day of the month, read the first proverb, right? Yeah. right. Which is such a great framework to it's get so people easy, in the word. Yeah. Right? So, so he did. Mm-hmm. I came back, I saw him again, and he said, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I desired less. Yeah. And he said, I don't understand that. Can you explain it to me? And I thought, no, I really can't, <laughs> yeah. you know, except for uh-huh. we, we have the ability to refocus. Yeah. And when we let our brain engage in something that is spiritually healthy, mm-hmm. it is almost like our, the, the divine nature of God exacerbates that. Yeah, kind of. Um, makes it larger, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impacts it. And, you know, there's also a lot of research surrounding this, this topic of, of prayer and, and feeling connected and really feeling mm-hmm. like feeling safe. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there were some studies where um, they were able to recognize that when you're in a place of prayer, your body releases oxytocin, mm-hmm. which is the feel good chemical in the brain. Um, so, you know, your, your friend is talking about what's going on. Why am I, right. you know, suddenly, well, he is filling his brain with things that are releasing good chemicals in his body as well. Um, when we are inundated with oxytocin, we kind of get this sense that I can count on something for, to mm. protect me. Yeah, um, it's yeah. that feeling, you know, when a mom nurses her baby, she's releasing oxytocin. When mm. you hug someone, you're releasing oxytocin. Yeah. So when we're feeling helpless, prayer is an incredible intervention because that oxytocin gets released and we're able to realize that God, he's here to help. Yeah, yeah. He's here to, to be with me in this. So when we think about prayer, one of the things that I, I really, ha- it's helped me greatly is to get down to like hardcore basics. Yeah. So like in my case, I, I have to desire a mindset to pray because I know it's good for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that that doesn't sound very pastoral because it feels almost, you know, um, mechanical. Uh-huh. But I'm a list person. Uh-huh. Like I, I like to create priorities and lists. And so I put things on my list like, okay, I'm going to pray. Pray, yeah. You know? Yeah. So one, I get that hit of, ooh, dopamine, I did it. <laughs> you did you it. Know? You checked it off your list. But it also is a reminder. Mm-hmm. So I have this mindset I want to, but secondly, I need a place. Yeah, I, yeah. Geography to me is a big deal. Yeah, well, when we associate our minds, associate a place with an action. Yeah, and so therefore, it's easier to take. Yeah, so just it. like a runner lays out the, what they're going to run in the next morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a place. Yeah. So when I hit that chair, I know this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, in in that place, I have a plan. 
Yeah. Like there's a drawer right next to where I sit. It's got my reading glasses. It's got my Bible. It's got my journal. Everything I need is right there. So I'm good to go. Yeah. Right. But I come out of that. And this is where I think the, the issue of prayer becomes so powerful. I get focused on the person that I'm speaking to. Yeah, which makes all the difference what you picture yeah. when you are praying. Yeah, right? I mentioned in it's last week's episode God. the concept of, you know, walking, you know, on into this room with a fireplace at the end and it's warm and it's well-worn pine floors and God's in this big chair and he welcomes me and he grabs me and says, come tell me about your day. Yeah. You yeah. know, when I see God that way, I can't wait to spend time with him. Of course. Yeah. So I think in addition to prayer, you know, that's, I think, a foundational piece. Um, but another practice that we can engage in to strengthen our minds and our bodies and our nervous system is worship. Yeah, totally. And this is super important. I know in the past few podcasts, we discussed the vagus nerve mm -hmm. as being one of the places where peace is kind of housed in our bodies. We know, you know, we know where our heart is. We know where our mind is. But where is peace? Well, it's housed in the vagus nerve amongst other places. And there are different ways that we can actually stimulate the vagus nerve and grow it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And two things um, that have been shown repeatedly to increase vagus nerve strength, we call it vagal tone, are singing Ooh. and humming. Oh, come on. Yeah, singing and humming. And then this is um, amplified when we join together in worship. Yeah, yeah. Because we are increasing our ability to feel safe and calm and at peace. We're strengthening that vagus nerve. When we're in corporate worship, this is really, really powerful. Um, because people are mirroring each other yep. through these vocal yep. and body movements. And it leads to this phenomenon called interactional synchrony, which kind of gives us this feeling of being deeply connected. Even if it's somebody we don't know, we're all doing the same thing with the same focus. Okay, this is so cool to me, this concept of interactional synchrony. This mm -hmm. is why, like, when we're, we're all in a worship center and this music is happening, yeah. and I look around and I see people who are worshiping freely. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And as a result, there is this... It, there's something that's compelling me mm -hmm. to join them. Yeah. It is what you described as interactional synchrony. Uh -huh. But it's, it's interesting. The same thing can happen in other areas. Right. Right. It can right. happen at a concert. It can happen uh -huh. at a ball game. At a ball game. Yeah. 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 But how beautiful is it? You know, I think about that. I'm a University of Georgia graduate. Go so dogs. I'm, I'm super excited about everything that's been happening. But I remember being in the stadium and I remember everybody just cheering and, you know, there's that sense of camaraderie. And I remember thinking, gosh, how beautiful would this be if we were all yeah. worshiping yeah. right now? You yeah. know, I mean, we're worshiping something. Yeah, yeah we're definitely worshiping <laughs> we're something. We're not yeah. necessarily worshiping God. Um, but there is that element of, you know, connection yeah. that you get yeah, yeah, yeah. in those moments. So when I think about this, I think to myself, okay, just like prayer, I have to break it down to some simple basics. Mm -hmm. I think worship can be that way as well. Yeah. There are days, Julie, I've gotten into my vehicle and I'm, Okay, I'm maybe a little bummed out, or I'm stressed out, or I'm anxious. What mm -hmm. I mean, it happens, mm -hmm. you we know, because I can get there in a hurry. Yeah, but we all can. but I have learned that. So, like one of my favorite bands these days is Maverick City Worship. Mm -hmm. Like they just they fire me up. Did you know that their producer used to be my server at a restaurant I used to go to get all the time? Get out of here. He would invite Dan and I to these worship nights, and we we were always like, "Oh yeah, we'll come when we can." He's the producer of Maverick wow, City Wow, that's now. pretty cool. But I just love them. They're great, right? So they have a couple of songs that they give, when I'm a little bummed out, mm -hmm. I have learned if I crank it up, yeah. a little bit. Uh -huh. You know, and literally sing with them. Oh, yeah. Give it about two and a half, three minutes. 
You're or back. just through a song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm ready to go. You're ready to go. But that's it's because of this, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so when I think about the basics of worship, you can insert a song, mm-hmm. participate in it, and according to what you just described, mm-hmm. study after study, we say even just humming it. Humming is one of the most powerful things to yeah. stimulate that vagal tone, to increase your ability to feel peace. Julie, can you sing? Like, uh, can you sing good? My husband thinks I can, but I can't right now. Well, yeah, you got a bad cold right now. Cold. I, I, you know, if, if you didn't have a bad cold, I would ask you to sing. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, well. That, you can sing, though. I cannot sing. I hear you sing. But I, but I will say, it's never kept me from singing. Yeah, well, right? it's so, so good for you. Yeah, but I have found myself, since I've heard you talk about this humming thing, mm-hmm. I have found myself humming, get this, old hymns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, so I do cool. it over and over again. It, so, okay, this is a little weird imagery right here, but I do this like when I first wake up. Yeah. And so this morning, I could, I don't know why this song came. There's an old hymn called um, In the Garden. Uh-huh. And so I come to the garden. And so, uh-huh. and I was, I was humming it this morning. I mean, yeah. I had no reason to think about this song. I mean, yeah. the last time I did this song was at a funeral. Oh, wow. You know? I think it was my mom's actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, it, but it, I didn't have a negative connotation. It was more of like it was a peaceful. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know? Well, you think about even, you know, with women in labor, they encourage you to hum low and slow. That is true, right? Mm. Yeah, because it's a t- it's it's helping with your with your vagus nerve. So singing and humming are two things that really help tone your vagus nerve, um, which helps increase your peace. Yeah, and so think how easy that is to insert. So if you're if you're bummed out, mm-hmm. if if you're stressed out, then figure out, okay, I'm, I'm going to sing. My go-to song is God, I look to you. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's Bethel worship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it. a great song. Yeah, yeah. I will just, I will sing that out at the top of my lungs or go on a run and yeah, just yeah, yeah. soak it up. Yeah. I don't go on a run. No, you do. Well, yeah, but not like, not like you. <laughs> not a long run maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I run to the refrigerator. Yeah. So, so do I, Chuck. Okay, good. So I'm glad I. to know that. Okay. So let's move on before we get into the more of my bad habits. <laughs> We can insert prayer, we can insert worship, and we can insert community. Community. And one of the biggest concepts that we discussed on the podcast in regards to the science and scripture salvation is that when we surrender and we accept Christ, quote, into our hearts, right, right, we automatically get this new co-regulator for our nervous system. That's right. Yeah, yeah. When we're stressed out, when we're anxious, we have the Holy Spirit to kind of help us. This is the most important aspect, but we also really need each other yeah, as well. Totally. You know, the vagus nerve is soothed through co-regulation with others mm-hmm. who give us these signals of safety and compassion as we interact with them. Yeah. So I think about the scripture in Hebrews 10, do not neglect gathering together. Right. right? Encourage one another. This is important for so many reasons. Yeah, it, it is important. I, I hear people, I mean, I hear this a lot. You know, when you do what I do for a living, you hear all kinds of reasons why you don't come to church, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I can worship in nature out on a boat fishing just as well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, literally that's true. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and it, that doesn't, it, it never bothers me. I totally mm-hmm. get the concept, mm-hmm. right? But I, I have physically learned mm-hmm. that when I choose not to do my job on Sunday morning, yeah. 
but to simply enjoy being with other people, yeah. worshiping together mm -hmm. to the degree that we're doing some portion of life together. Yeah, it's so it is good for yeah, your that connectivity system. is essential yeah. to the way we're wired. It really is. It's really, really so important. So here's, here's two quick ones on, again, the basics of community, just like prayer and okay. worship, right? Okay. So for community, for me, number one, it is the recognition that there is a God, but I'm not him. Yes. Right. There's so much valuable feedback that comes. Yeah. Right. And so as a result, that means not only do I need connectivity with him, mm -hmm. but the way he's built us is to be in this triangular relationship with one another. Right. So right. like when I'm right with Jenny, I'm right with the world. Mm -hmm. When I'm right with good friends, I'm good with the world. Yeah. And when things aren't right, typically with, with me vertically with God, my horizontal relationships aren't right. And you know what's interesting? Mm. It's the other way around too. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of people come into my office and they're like, I don't know why. I just feel so angsty and so stressed. And I'm like, almost every relationship in your life right now is filled with conflict. That's right, like yeah. That will absolutely affect... Totally. ...affect you in, in incredible ways. Yeah, so so the community starts with, I'm not God. Mm -hmm. I, I'm in need mm -hmm. of other people. And the second one is... No matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, mm -hmm. you still need people. Yeah. It's just the degree to which you need people. And in the manner in which you connect with them. So good. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Because we, we tend to gravitate toward people that make it easy for us to connect with. Mm -hmm. And the way that we've been made, like, I feel like, like the first time you and I ever chatted mm -hmm. on a Zoom call, mm -hmm. I remember thinking when I got off, I'm going to be friends with her forever. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and you're an extrovert and I'm an introvert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that Somewhat. is true. You know, I haven't always been extroverted, though. Yeah, I really have. You might be an ambivert. Yeah, it's a mixture of both. I think so. But inside that, though, uh -huh. I find it easy to talk with some people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't feel like I have to force myself into conversation with others. Like God made it where there are people that we gravitate toward. Right. And go with it. Yeah, absolutely. You can find your people. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially if you're somebody who tends to be a little bit quirky, I've got quite a few of those in my family. Mm -hmm. There are other groups and people who are going to be so quirky with you. I was talking to somebody embrace that. Yeah. I was talking to somebody at, um, who goes to church here and they were talking about their small group and they were like, we are the quirkiest group. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. That makes me so happy. I want to join your group yeah. because there are people in my family who just want to be their weird selves. Yeah, around yeah. you. But I, you know what I've discovered now? It's easy now that I'm old. It's like quirky to me now is fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I find myself attracted to quirky people Yeah. because then I can be as quirky as I want to be. Yeah. You're living authentically. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to gathering, you know, this is really, really important. And I guess maybe, you know, kind of circling back to that topic of oxytocin and, and sharing with people, compassion mm. is another one of those practices that is really, really good for other people, but also good for us. Yeah. You know, when Jesus encourages us to love and serve one another, science reminds us that this is beneficial for everyone involved. Yeah. So when we show compassion, our body release that chemical oxytocin, yep. is that feel good bonding chemical. But compassion is an interesting construct. I think we want to be compassionate, but kind of going back to those clients who come into my office and they're so frustrated with themselves because they're like, I'm not treating my spouse the way I want to. I'm not treating my kids the way I want to. Mm. And we look and we, and I say, you know what, are you 
feeling safe right now? Are you in fight or flight mode constantly? Because we Mm. cannot show compassion to other people when we are constantly in a state of internal crisis. Right. So it's really, really important for us to do some of those things to regulate our nervous system, Mm -hmm. prayer, worship, all of those things. They get us to a place where we feel safe enough to look outside of ourselves and show compassion to others. Yeah. So, but I have a question. I love it when I get to ask like real live, honest, goodness questions, nothing scripted. Yes. A total question. <laughs> you love the look on my face and I'm like, <laughs> I know. what's he going to say? I know. When I do this, Julie looks at me like, don't do it. And I was, I was, go for it. Chuck. But I'm going to. Go for, go and for here it. is, here's the question. So let's say I'm, uh, I'm stressed to the max. Mm-hmm. I have uh, significant conflict in my calendar and in my relationships. Mm-hmm. There's not really any room for mm-hmm. compassion. Mm-hmm. Then I start feeling guilty that I'm not compassionate. Oh, yeah. And the cycle starts. Cycle. Mm-hmm. So at that point, your recommendation would be, okay, let's let's think about how we can regulate. Mm-hmm. Yes. And regulate. create room, mm-hmm. which is far healthier than beating myself up, not feeling compassionate. Right. But to create room for compassion. Yes. You have to take care of yourself and regulate first before you can connect, regulate, yeah, yeah. relate to yourself yeah. and God, and then connect. Okay, but that like that little formula to me mm-hmm. ought to give listeners a, a great deal of hope mm-hmm. because it it says to me if I'm not feeling compassionate, but I hear somebody like Chuck or Julie say, "Well, compassion is one of these things that right. you can do," yeah. but I don't have room for it. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, I've heaped more guilt to myself because I don't feel compassionate. Yeah, and the first step in a lot of that is to show compassion to yourself Ooh, and not that. make your schedule so full that you don't have the space yeah. to regulate. You know, I, Christian people, by and large, I think struggle with this concept of showing compassion to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because we always think of compassion as, oh, I hurt for that person, so I want to do something. Do something, yeah. But you really, truly can't be compassionate in an external sense mm-hmm. without having first had an internal sense yeah. of compassion. Yeah. This has been one of the most difficult things for me to learn. Mm. I have a bias toward action. I I'm not necessarily motivated by, you that. know, yeah. 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 Like I, I'm not motivated highly by mercy. Mm. Like it's not strong on my gift, you know, list. Mm. And yet the thing I've learned in compassion is that I don't, I don't have to function like a merciless jerk, <laughs> no. you know, especially toward me. Right. Towards yourself. That's where it starts. Yeah. We learn how to be compassionate to others. So when we, we can regulate uh-huh. or as we would say, co-regulate with the presence of the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Then with that in mind, we create room for compassion. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I've learned about compassion, Julie, is we tend to always think about compassion in the sense of like Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr. or great world changers. Yeah. Right. No. But compassion sometimes is looking at somebody and saying, I just hope you have the greatest day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, compassion can also be in setting boundaries, right? And helping, Oh man. you know, you are being compassionate towards somebody by teaching them how to treat you. That's right. <laughs> right? But you see, that is tr- that is both way compassion. Uh-huh. That is internal ex- and external. and, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So when we think about this in, like, in a marriage relationship, mm-hmm. we when we build healthy boundaries, we are being so compassionate toward the desire of having a healthy marriage mm-hmm. that it's good for us. Yeah. It, it's good for me. Mm-hmm. It's good for you. Mm-hmm. It is a total win-win all the way around. Yeah. So compassion... I, I would just say, offer it to yourself. 
Yeah, receive it. Yeah, you know, he's God is compassionate toward us. Right? Yeah, and if I, you have a hard time offering it to yourself, try to receive it from him. Even yeah, if you feel like you don't deserve it, you know, that's that's a start. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Jesus is asked, "What is the most important thing?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "Well, love God, mm-hmm. right? Okay, we got that part. Okay, okay we yeah. all should love God." love others. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, we get that, but it's not really easy, yeah. but we always seem to forget the third part. And he mm-hmm. says, so love God, love others as you love yourself. Yeah. You cannot love others well yeah. until you learn to love how God's made you. Yeah. I tell my, my adolescent clients all the time, it, it sounds like you're bullying yourself. And oh, I'm wow. like, I don't let people bully in my office. Right, yeah. And you're bullying yourself right now. Yeah. So let's show, you know, why don't you practice showing some compassion to yourself? I bully yourself. myself sometimes. We all do. Yeah. But it, do. it never makes me better. No. Ever. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I. You know, I, bullies don't make us better. Mm-hmm. And you can't bully yourself. Yeah. So when compassion starts internally... It will naturally come externally. Absolutely. Yeah. So where do we go from there? Because now I know one of the things that um, is when when we engage the Bible, mm-hmm. it engages with us. Yes. Yeah, so the Bible right? says of itself that it's a living, breathing thing, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's not just black ink on white paper. Right. I describe it like a probiotic. Mm. You know, I take. I can take some pills, and they're just static. They just yeah. kind of sit there, they do their thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I take a probiotic because it goes to work inside me. Right. With, yeah, with your existing, yeah, you know, Yeah. So I always look at the Bible as it's not how much uh-huh. it is that I get it in me. Yeah. Yeah. When I think I used to wonder like, how is it living? Like, what does that mean? And I think there's lots of different explanations mm-hmm. for that. But one piece, you know, we, we talk all the time about how our mind can be renewed and changed mm-hmm. through neuroplasticity, yep. through our actual pathways of thought can be shifted in a biological sense. But I think that one of the, the key pieces in this is that we might say, okay, that's great, but how do we know what to fill our mind with? Right. How do we know what to shift it to? I think it's one thing to encourage folks to change their way of thinking, yeah. but that doesn't do much good if we don't know what to renew our mind with. That's and so I good. think that one aspect of the the living nature of the Word of God is that it gives us this truth mm-hmm. in which we can renew our mind. Absolutely. We can focus on those things, um, and that gives us kind of a, a guide. You know, have you ever been around... Um, Actually, I, I catch myself saying some of your phrases every now and then, you know, because, I mean, we work together a fair amount. We record a lot. So there right. are times I'm in a conversation or in a counseling session or something of that nature, and, and what will come out of my mouth is like, holy crap, that sounded a lot like Julie. Oh, gosh. You know what I, I mean? I hope it's good stuff. <laughs> well, occasionally, yeah, yeah, you know, not always, but occasionally. Yeah. But I, seriously, what I, I'll say something, and I think, wow, that came because of a repetitive amount of times I've heard mm-hmm. you say something. Mm-hmm. I, it happens uh, if I listen to a certain genre of music. Yeah, right. Um, like there are some phrases Jenny uses and they're they're endearing to me so mm-hmm. they become part of my Vocabulary. conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think this is what it means by being living. Mm-hmm. The, if, if I want to speak more yeah. in a way that is Christ-honoring, mm-hmm. then I have to take his words yes. and learn how they replicate themselves in my conversation. Absolutely. My dad was a pastor. Uh-huh. Um, and I can remember, you know, growing up, it's like, I don't ever want to sound like that. Mm. But frequently, 
when I'm speaking in different places, I'll think to myself, wow, that sounded like my dad. You hear him, yeah. Because I, I can't go away. Mm -hmm. Like some, some people that I, I love to listen to on podcasts, mm -hmm. I, I will catch myself using their phrasing. Phrasing, yeah. Or, or even almost mimicking their, their, their cadence. Right. You know? Right, yeah. This is what this is happening. When we get scripture in us, mm -hmm. we are mimicking the cadence and the attitudes and the verbiage of God. Yeah. Yeah. What a great thing to mimic. Right? Yeah. What a great yeah. way to be transformed. Yeah. Because you know that it's life giving. So when I when people say, well, I don't even know where to start mm -hmm. in the Bible. Yeah. You know, and I love it when when folks say I'm going to read the Bible through this year. I'm like, well, just knock yourself out, you know? <laughs> yeah. So if you want to start with Genesis 1, knock yourself out, yeah. right? But what I would say to people consistently is this one big deal. Mm. Don't think that you can read an hour a day and all of a sudden you get a, you get a much bigger hit <laughs> yeah. than if you read for three or four minutes mm -hmm. because it is living, it is breathing, it is active, it is powerful. Yeah. Once it's in you, it goes to work. Yeah. But but don't think that because you can memorize it, it's necessarily more powerful. It mm -hmm. just means you can come back to it. Yeah. Well, I think a big piece of that, too, is is that we talk about a lot, responsiveness. Where is the Holy Spirit leading you? Maybe yeah. it is, you know, just a, a short excerpt for the day. Maybe right. it's deeper, right? But it's that obedience where I think it really creates that ripple effect yeah. in your life. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to it's not unlike physical exercise. Mm -hmm. If if I consistently exercise, then I will become better in shape. Mm -hmm. When I consistently get scripture in me, I will more consistently be in better spiritual shape. Yeah. So yeah. I mentioned on a podcast a few weeks ago that this year I'm wanting to get stronger, mm -hmm. right? So um, I, I'm consistently five days a week working on upper body strength because Look I just want to be stronger, right? Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to make sure that I apply these spiritual disciplines mm -hmm. in my life with the same degree of consistency. consistency. And so it is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like compassion has greater room in my life. Mm -hmm. I, have a, I have a greater ability to focus in my prayer. Yeah. I have a greater desire to worship. All these things that we've mentioned yeah. come when it starts with, I want to get this, this, this repetitive, mm -hmm. consistent scripture in my life. So I say this all the time. If you want a place to start that's easy, read the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John. Just yeah. read the Gospel of John. Yeah. Read for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself the question at the end of every time you read, what did Jesus say about himself and what am I going to do about it? Love that. It's that simple, right? Yeah. When I get far. done with the book of John, then I say, okay, pull back toward the end of the New Testament to the book of James mm. and read that and say, you know, James has a cool word for how my actions yeah. and my beliefs can live together. Right, right. And then you say, wow, well that you make it sound so easy. It's that easy. Mm -hmm. Don't overcomplicate it. Right. It's the application of it. Right? Yeah, That's totally. the piece that, you know, and when we have the community, when we have prayer, when we have worship, those are the things that strengthen us to mm -hmm. continue in these practices. That's right. So when I look at all of these things, Julie, I am reminded that the science supports everything Scripture says. Mm-hmm. And scripture supports everything science teaches us. Yes, that is, I think that's where a lot of people have, they have a hard time merging that. Yeah. But it's absolutely true. Yeah. So 
why then should we be afraid of either? Mm -hmm. Because we are a people created to do these things. Yeah. We're created for community. We're created to worship. We, we've been given the Bible to give us instruction and encouragement. We, we have an avenue to speak with our creator. Mm -hmm. All of things that we have that at our disposal. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, nothing we mentioned today requires a subscription. <laughs> right. No, it, none of it requires $9.99 a month. Uh -huh. All it requires is a mindset that says, I desire mm. to become more like my creator. Yeah. And in that mindset, we can see how the science of spiritual change mm -hmm. tangibly happens in our physical body. Mm -hmm. So to wrap up this whole series, uh, I would just say, Julie, thank you, because you've done the hard work on just the research behind this. Mm -hmm. And it's so helpful to have something more than just the voice of a preacher saying, believe it. Well, and I think, you know, understanding that you have walked with so many people from the spiritual side of this mm -hmm. to be able to say the things that were written in scripture thousands of years ago are now yeah. being confirmed with modern brain imaging scans, yeah, right. right? We can put those two together. Because if you could have had an MRI in the day of Moses <laughs> yeah. and the burning bush happens and God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Uh -huh. Can you imagine what his amygdala what was doing? What would be going on, yes. I mean, would that be Fire awesome? Alarm, yes. Yeah. So just to everybody, thanks again for joining us during this series as we've kicked off season four of the Positive Talk podcast. Julie and I will be back next week for another episode. And whatever you do, feel free to share these on your social media platforms with friends and family and catch up on seasons one, two, and three, and even the first few episodes of season four. And know that all that we do here is, is free because we really do believe there's power found in discovering more peace in our life and more purpose mm -hmm. in our life. And when we understand how God's wired us and how he wants to be a co-creator in us, he wants to give us more peace. Yeah. He wants to give us a, a, a more purposeful life. It's available. Yeah. And so take advantage of that. Absolutely. And walk with him. So, Julie, thanks again for joining us. You can always find all of our episodes on our website, which is positivetalkpodcast.com. You can join us on Instagram or Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast and on our new YouTube video channel where you get to see Julie still sick with <laughs> a cold and watch her. She turns, you know, gently to the side and coughs up a lung. So, Julie. <laughs> what a visual. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> well, but I was trying to give people some mirror neurons. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. We'll be back next time with a clear throat and clear minds. <laughs> go in peace. Thank you for joining the conversation on this week's Positive Talk podcast. You can always find seasons one through three on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com. If Julie and Chuck shared something that inspired or encouraged you, please share this episode with friends, family, and your social media platforms. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us and go in peace.